Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PBR Me, ASAP. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and done. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's twins. It's a beautiful now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, Twins fans. Yo, uh, this is Derek Wetmore, and this is Phil Mackey weirdly creeping in on the side. I'm not really sure what's going on. Um, he's tweeting right now, so... Uh, we're at Target Field. It's opening day, and the Twins lineup's kind of an interesting one, Phil. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. So we're going to talk about that in this video. Uh, if you've got any questions, obviously drop them in the comments box. We're always happy to take those. Um, I'll get to as many of them as I can on my cell phone here, but otherwise, I mean, you and I are probably just going to break this down a little bit. Um, if people are curious about anything, like Joe Maurer batting cleanup, for example, yeah. uh, feel free to ask any questions. We'd happily answer those. But let's start there, Phil, because we sort of talked about it on the radio last week when we had the same conversation. But Joe Maurer batting cleanup is kind of surprising to a lot of people, and I think you can throw Joe Maurer into that group. Well, let's. I, I think this requires a deep dive into the statistical weeds, which... We did on our radio show today. We did it a little bit before yeah. you came in. Like I'm explaining weighted on base average. Yeah, I walked to a in and Lobo was going through right. the airways, and I was like, "Oh man, right. this is not going to go." So well. I am uh, I am either lucky enough or unlucky enough to have picked up ten years ago a book called "Playing the Percentages in Baseball." It's called the book. So anytime you hear a baseball fan or a stat geek refer to the book, "Playing the Percentages in Baseball." It's a lot of, uh, it kind of rode the wave of Moneyball, the book that Michael Lewis wrote in, what, 2001 or two now, 2002, 2003, and it just took old baseball narratives and broke them down and poked holes in them with new school thinking. Yeah. And a lot of front offices have applied this new school thinking throughout the last 10 years, not as much the Twins, although the Twins have done some work on the analytical side the last five years or so. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say Derek Falvey and Thad Levine rolled in and they said, we're going to think differently than, yeah. than you're used to. So weighted on base average is a metric or a statistic that Thad Levine is on the record saying, this is how we construct our lineups. This is the all-encompassing offensive stat that we think projects run scoring the most. And if you look, for instance, last year at the top three run scoring teams in baseball, it was, I believe, uh, in order, it was Boston... Colorado and Chicago, okay. the Cubs. Yeah, they also finished in order: first, second, and third in weighted on base average. So we 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 tend to think now in terms of OPS, on base plus slugging, as the big time newer way to. So we've graduated from batting average to OPS in a lot. Even broadcast will put up uh, OPS yeah. for various hitters. Well, OPS doesn't quite get you to where you want to be if you want a fully objective and true measurement of what leads to run scoring. So um, before we dive into the lineup, I think it's important to note that the yeah. Twins think WOBA, right. weighted on base average, is really, really important. A lot of progressive teams, and probably just most teams in baseball, are using it now as the main offensive measurement instead of batting average or just on base or OPS. And the reason why it's better than OPS is because it correctly assigns 
about twice as much value to on-base percentage as slugging percentage. Mm -hmm. The research shows that the, the ability to get on base and the value of getting on base is stronger than the ability or the value of slugging or hitting home runs or extra base hits. It correlates more strongly with run scoring. And that's why WOBA, to me, has always been interesting. Um, I've probably... How long have you been using WOBA? Because... I don't you like Woba, bro. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been Woba? Do you have a Woba tattoo? <laughs> well, yeah, let me show you that. For, no, thank you. For me, Phil, the, and then we've got a ton of questions coming in, so maybe we pull them up on the tablet sure, or something yeah, like that. Let's go. But, like, for me, I don't necessarily always write about Woba, but I always am monitoring it. The other one I use is Weighted Runs Created Plus, which is just kind of, it gives me a quick glance idea at how good of a hitter, uh, how good a hitter is, where. You might not be able to tell that based on his batting average. He might yeah. be a low batting average guy, like Brian Dozier's had some years with low batting average, and he was a really productive hitter. Or, you know, um, Delman Young could have had those 300 average, averages year after year, and that doesn't mean he's a super valuable hitter. So, anyways, it's kind of a long, statistical, geeky way of, of going about it, but I've probably been using WOBA in my Twins coverage since I started, and that was 2014. Yeah, I started doing these... I can't believe I spent hours and hours doing this. But yeah, what, you what? should divulge that you're like <laughs> a way bigger nerd than people probably yeah. expect. I, I look like a nerd. You don't necessarily look like that, and <laughs> and you definitely have that closet side to you too. Well, so um, in in like 2007 or 2008, so we're talking a decade ago now. Mm-hmm. That's when I got really really into finding new ways to project fantasy baseball. Oh yeah, uh, that's where mine started too. For so sure. So it started off with fantasy baseball, and then I discovered. Woba, weighted on base average, you could find it on Fangraphs.com, which was this blossoming new website. Mm-hmm. And so I dug into how the sausage was made, and basically, not to go too deep into the weeds, but but Woba takes these assigned base run values. So what is a single worth? How many runs in the current Major League Baseball run scoring environment is a single worth? How many runs is is a home run worth um, in in terms of the, the overall run construction yeah. model? But um, to, to pull it back to sort of the meaning of it and why it's relevant to a lineup, for instance, most sports you compete against a clock. And like in basketball, you're competing against time. In football, you're competing against time. In baseball, you're competing against 27 outs. And so the general premise of why on-base percentage is more valuable than slugging percentage and why it's more important in the run creation process mm-hmm. is because if you can just delay 27 outs, if you can just... If you can put more guys on base and thus put off the 27th out as long as possible, you're going to score more runs than your opponent, even if your opponent is hitting a lot of doubles and triples and home runs. Um, Now, if your opponent is hitting only home runs and striking out, now at some point it probably evens out. But in general, on-base percentage is more valuable than slugging percentage. Thus, Brian Dozier, Robbie Grossman against left-handed pitchers, and Joe Maurer are three of your top four hitters in the Twins lineup. Byron Buxton's the questionable one, but it looks like they're going off of his spring and his September performance and saying, you know what, this coupled with left-handed pitcher on the mound, we think he's going to be one of the top four hitters in the lineup, and the mantra is, take your three best hitters, according to Woba, and put them in spots one, two, and three in the batting order, and that's what they've done. Let's dive into some questions here. I'll tell my quick story. It goes back to when I was in fifth grade, so three years ago, when we were talking about... um, Thank you for catching that one, Phil. We were were debating, like, the idea of 
whether home runs were more important or on base percentage. And this was kind of just before I read Moneyball, this was sort of an intuitive thing to me that I would have rather had Ichiro Suzuki in this. You had like a little spinning wheel. You click the wheel, and wherever it lands, that was the outcome. Well, Ichiro didn't have very many outs on his pie chart that we were spinning the wheel. And somebody said, well, Barry Bonds hits a home run one out of ten times, so I'd rather hit that every once in a while. And I was that's fine. And so we debated back and forth, but I'd rather have the guy who continues to pass the spinner to the next hitter, continues to pass it on. Well, it turns out I ultimately lost the argument because then we were going off of Barry Bonds' 2001 stats when, yeah, he hit a home run once every nine plate appearances, but he also yeah. had like a 600 on-base percentage. So yeah. I ultimately lost the argument, but it's a fun uh, kind of back and forth on on-base percentage versus slugging and how much they matter. Uh, let's get into some of these questions here. Yes. So uh, Joe Mowers-Woba versus left-handed, and by the way, just to set this, a 400 weighted on-base average, much like it's sort of set to... To to what a good on base percentage would be, except it includes a slugging component. So, if you have a 400 weighted on base average, you are elite mm-hmm. among hitters. If you have a 350 weighted on base average, you're still really, really, really good. 300, you want to be above 300. If you're below 300 in any scenario, you're probably doing it wrong on yeah. the plate, right? Um, and so, one of the questions was, and I'll just paraphrase it. Joe Maurer against left-handed hitters last year was atrocious yeah. by almost any measurement. And yes, that's correct. So why would he still be batting fourth in the lineup against a left-handed pitcher in a tough one? Opening day. <laughs> Opening day, and I would say there's a good chance that listening to Joe Maurer, they've had conversations with him, Paul Molitor might be standing up for him a little bit, they might think that they're going to give him April and part of May to prove that last year was a fluke against lefties. Yeah, maybe. So I, if, if he's still bad against lefties in, like, May, my guess is he's either sitting out for maintenance or yep. he's down in the orders. I'd bump him earlier than that. I'm, maybe the Twins will give him some runway and Molitor sort of sticks his neck out for him. But Mauer, uh, to me, you're right on his Woba being lower against lefties last year. I think he's up there because it's opening day, and Molitor threw all four of his lefties in the lineup and said, okay, fine, this might not be mathematically optimal, but it's opening day, and... I don't have a huge problem with that, although every win does matter if you're trying to be a contending team. Um, say what you will about the Twins for 2017. I think you'll see Maurer bat lower in the lineup against lefties, and frankly, that's where he's going to get a lot of his days off. You're yeah. going to see a tough lefty on the mound a lot of times in the Central Division. You're going up against Quintana in Chicago. Maurer's probably going to be more likely to sit than he would have in years past. Uh, so, uh, And some other people are chiming in with what they think the lineup should be. Matt, I see your comment. Lineup should be Dozier, Maurer, Buxton, Sano, Kepler, and then Grossman, Rosario, um, and then so on. So here's the thing. Against, you have to think of it in terms of left-handed lineup and a right-handed lineup. Mm-hmm. This is a left-handed lineup. Robbie Grossman, against left-handed pitching last year, was the Twins' best hitter. Yep. Better than Miguel Sano. And that's not Better a blip. Better than Brian Dozier. He is, last year was a blip for his career in terms of overall offensive production, but he's always been good against left-handed pitching. Robbie Maybe Grossman, not as good as he was last year. No, 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 he's still no. been very good against He still lefties. would be top of the Twins lineup in terms of versus lefties if you take his career numbers. And so that's some, one thing you got to look at. I was telling somebody today, uh, I was talking with one of my media buddies in the clubhouse, and, and uh, he's just, you know, what do you think about the lineup? I said, well, it's interesting. It, it shows me that they are going to play lefty-righty matchups, although they kind of threw that to the wind today. And that's fine, opening day. But uh, Robbie Grossman was a name that came up. And I said, well, you gotta you gotta think about players, and this is how I do, anyways. Tell me if I'm crazy, Phil. I, I probably am. 
I think about a player, I, let's take Miguel Sano, just as a pull-in example. He's a different hitter against left-handed pitching versus right-handed pitching, so I pretend like you've got two different players there. Well, then I go through my head, okay, with a lefty on the mound, who are the nine hitters that I want to have against a lefty? Mm-hmm. And Miguel Sano happens to be on both my le- lefty and righty list, whereas Robbie Grossman, for example, I want him at the top against lefties. He might not be in the lineup against right-handed pitching, which is two-thirds of the time in the major leagues. Yes. Also, <clears throat> I want to look up his, his platoon splits here on the fly just so... Just so we have this, but uh, someone rear he has really strong numbers against lefties, and check me on that. I'm on. Hold on I'm, I'm moving ahead here to Jason Castro, oh, Castro. because okay. yeah, I should have communicated that clearly. Which you know, we're in the communication business, and sometimes uh, Adam Henning chimes in. Jason Castro, a career 232 hitter, batting sixth. Your 2017 Minnesota Twins. Uh, so Jason Castro in his career against left-handed pitching, good against lefties. Actually, you know what? I take that back. He's much better against right-handed pitching. Because so Castro's a left-handed hitter, but that's what I'm saying. With with um, Molitor being just throwing all four guys in, he's basically just saying, okay, fine, this is my opening day lineup. He wasn't going to have Chris Jimenez catch opening day. Sure. And I, I guess you could argue that if you want to. I won't be the one to sit here and do that. But he's also got Kepler, Eddie Rosario, and Joe Maurer going. And those are guys that I think you're going to see get days off against lefties throughout the course of the season. Yeah, when they signed Jason Castro, my first thought was, he's he's a platoon guy offensively, yeah. but a guy that you want all the time behind the plate, catching your pitchers. In fact, just I know this is mostly a lineup uh, session we're doing right now, mm-hmm. but we had Hector Santiago on our radio show today. And I said, you can quantify almost anything in baseball. You can quantify the revolutions on a thrown ball. Like yeah. You can quantify almost anything you want. What you can't quantify is the impact a catcher has on calling a game, on keeping a pitcher in a certain mindset, and uh, various other items that a catcher might be able to do behind the plate mm-hmm. to influence a game. Sure. And he started telling some anecdotes about just how specifically good Jason Castro is at framing okay. pitches. He said... No one saw this because it was my last spring start, and like he only caught me for two innings. He changed six balls into strikes in that game alone, and I don't know, like maybe he's making that number up. But, sure. But J- so Jason Castro, I don't know if I'd be batting him sixth. I don't think anything really indicates that he should be batting that high on the order. Um, but he's a guy that you're going to want in your lineup every day because of his influence on pitchers for the most part. And then to, was it, whose point was that? Was that uh, uh, Adam's point. Adam, uh, to your point, well taken in my mind. <laughs> if Jason Cash was in the lineup against the lefty, bump him down. No sense in exposing his bat, which I think is weak against lefties. And that's why I think the platoon with Jimenez and Castro is interesting because Jimenez... Not that interesting of a player when you just look at a stats page. You're not like, oh, wow, the Twins got Jimenez on a minor league? They got him on a minor league deal for a reason. But add the two of those up, have Castro facing right-handed pitching because he's a lefty, and have Jimenez, who bats from the right side, face left-handed pitching, suddenly you've got your defensive innings kind of worked out. I mean, the the math just sort of figures itself out there. Mm -hmm. And now you've got two guys who are getting to face their stronger hand, their, their better hand. And that's why I think that matchup could actually work out nicely. Um, that's why I picked Jimenez to make the team instead of a John Ryan Murphy, because their skills just sort of match up. But I'm with you on uh, Castro batting high in the lineup against the lefties. I think that's probably being a little too optimistic for his bat this year. And for the record, with all this WOBA talk, weighted on base, there's so many acronyms in baseball. I know. BABIP and Do WOBA BABIP, and OPS and, yeah, uh, Chicks Dig BABIP. XFIP? XFIP and FIP. 
the Twins actually had a league average, I almost said BABIP, probably league average BABIP, too, a league <laughs> average did. WOBA in 2016. Offensively? Offensively, yeah, yes. sure. Yeah, Def- uh, defensively Not and so much. on the mound, it was no. historically bad. Yeah. But the Twins, even without a great full season from Miguel Sano and without Byron Buxton contributing much at all yeah. offensively till September, the Twins had the 14th best WOBA in the major leagues. There's a pretty good chance if all things stay healthy and... Uh, if if Byron Buxton sort of picks up the torch where he left off, that this team could be a top ten offensive team, but can they get anybody out? That's yeah. the question. With yeah. with lineup optimization and with players getting better like Max Kepler, they could score a lot of runs. But could it be like one of those mid nineteen nineties Twins teams that we remember? You yeah. were like five years old, right? But, but uh, the, like the ninety six Twins that scored I think nine hundred plus runs, or the ninety. Uh, there was a team, I think it was the 98 Twins, that scored a bunch of runs with a bunch of veterans, too. Mm-hmm. But they just couldn't get anybody out. Yep. So All you right. might see a lot of 6-7 to seven fun baseball games at Target Field. I hate that kind of baseball. They just lose, like... They Don't say up. fun. <laughs> I hate 6-7 to seven baseball games. Give me 2-1. to one. That's uh, all I care about. Adam says Mackey looks like Ryan Presley. Okay. I also have high spin rate takes. Yep, he's got a well. 97 up in the zone, and then it will give you the wipeout <laughs> slider every once in a while. Uh, Jesse says percent chance Woba went into Sid's prediction of 80 wins this year. I think Sid is non zero. Sneaky sabermetrician. Non-zero chance that it went in there, uh, because I think the people that are helping Sid might know what Woba is, too. How, did, how many did he predict this year? I haven't seen the... I've been so busy with opening day Apparently stuff. Apparently 80. 80 so, wins. Okay. I will, Sid's more optimistic than I was, even. I will say, and, and this might have made our podcast feed last week because we made our prediction, That's you right. were the most yeah. optimistic. I you was, said 78. I, I said I 76. I think there's a huge range... The Twins probably have one of the widest ranges of what their win total could be sure. in any team in baseball. Yeah. It's like, if Phil Hughes goes back to the old Phil Hughes, if Buxton, if, 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 then playoff yeah. contention. Right. But <laughs> if not... Swerve the car in the other direction. If Hughes pitches 30 <laughs> innings this year, if Irvin Santana and Brian Dozier get traded, yeah. if Jason Castro turns out to be not as much as the Twins have been advertising him all winter... If Byron Buxton goes back to being old Byron Buxton, there's just all of this yeah. crap that could happen that would lead to a bad season for the Twins. I think, obviously, like anything, it lies somewhere in the middle. Some outcome in the middle of those two, you know, nightmare versus dream scenario is probably the most likely for 2017. Yeah. Um, a few more questions here on Facebook Live, and then we have to go do important things like, like eat lunch and right. yeah. <laughs> get ready for this game. Uh, yeah, starting pitching needs to get back to striking out batters from Daniel, and that's one thing I can tell you we've deviated from the lineup talk, but just for fun here, uh, in talking with everyone in this organization, Derek Falvey, Thad mm-hmm. Levine, and you've had even more conversations yeah. than I have, they're really trying to get rid of this pitch-to-contact mantra. I mean, they're, they're doing things starting at the low levels of the minor leagues to increase velocity and to look for the things that, that will lead to more outs and more missed bats. And if you if you look at it from a macro standpoint, the Twins built their division championship teams from a pitching standpoint off of great sure. defense able to convert batted balls into outs. Because sure. the Twins weren't a strikeout artist pitching staff. No. But they could get away with the pitch to contact because they had elite center fielder in Torrey Hunter. They had elite outfielders like Denard Spann roaming around there for a while in 2008, 9, and 10. Well... They continued on with that philosophy and then dropped off the planet defensively. Yeah. Instead of having three center fielders in the outfield, had three they had like Delman Young yeah. and Jason Kubel. Fast forward, Josh Willingham, Oswaldo Arcia, right. Miguel Sano. Yeah, from a, macro, from a macro perspective, 
you have to take the batted balls and convert them into outs. Well, the yeah. only way to do that is to have really good, speedy, athletic defensive players. Or, do that. to his point, have fewer batted balls. Yes. And the Twins, it's hard for me to say that I see one person that's going to jump up. Trevor May was going to be my pick to click, and Tommy John. That's baseball. So, the way that the pick, Twins... Pick to jinx. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, I didn't officially pick him, but so maybe it was just the pre-Wetmore jinx. Happens to everybody. The way I look at it is if Falvey is successful at turning around this pitching staff, it's not going to be because he took Jose Barreos from question mark to Cy Young contender. It's going to be because he took Jose Barreos from maybe like fifth starter to second or third starter. Mm-hmm. And he took Hector Santiago from fifth starter to fourth starter. Kyle Gibson from fifth starter to third or fourth starter. Yeah. Uh, get something out of Phil Hughes. Now, how about we trickle that down even a little bit further and say, get something out of Steven Gonzalez. Make him a mid-rotation starter. Make Alberto Mejia a mid-rotation starter. Make Cole Stewart reach the big leagues and have some kind of impact. Have Tyler J make an impact out of the bullpen. It's not just the starting rotation. It's all the way back to the bullpen, too. If they can get more out of Ryan Presley or more marginal value out of Matt Belial or JT Chagua, now you're talking about... You know, not just five pitchers, but 12, 13, 15, 20, 25, 35 pitchers. If you can bring them up just just a slight bit, whatever the next notch is, that's what they did in Cleveland. A lot of people give them credit for Corey Kluber. But you also got to look at Danny Salazar, yeah, uh, Carlos Carrasco, Cody Allen, Zach McAllister, on and on and on down the list. The Indians pitching staff is strong, not because they have an, a guy who turned into an ace, but because they have a lot of guys who are maximizing their potential. That's what I'm looking at. When you mentioned strike more guys out, totally agree that the Twins need to do that on the whole. Mm-hmm. What they really need to do, if you take one further step back from that, is not just strike more guys out. Everybody on the Twins pitching staff needs to be a little bit more effective than you'd otherwise think. And then they're going to have to continue to make smart decisions going forward. Yeah, baseball is a game, you know, if you look around the NBA or, or the NFL, and you're trying to fix a broken franchise. Well, yeah. If you draft Andrew Luck, you win 11 games yeah. next year. <laughs> yep, you just did it. So if you just get a stud quarterback, look at look at the, the Raiders. You draft Derek Carr and you hit that lottery ticket, you're in. If you're an NBA team and you just and you draft LeBron James, like it's a one player or one position superstar league sometimes in both cases. In baseball, where the best players are worth maybe eight to ten wins above replacement, this Twins team could add three Mike Trouts. Yeah. and would still be fighting for a playoff spot. And, oh, breaking news, you're not going to get three Mike Trouts. No, yeah, they aren't, so they're not available, and they're not free. Right. It's about finding, and, and Thad Levine was on our radio show today, and he used words like uh, finding lead, uh, phrases and concepts like finding leaders to help elevate a Byron Buxton, which is what they did with Torrey Hunter a few years ago, too, sure. with, with some of the young players. But essentially, to, if I could sum up what he told us, it's, can you find different methods and processes that make it more likely that some of these players in the minor leagues or young players who have unfulfilled yeah. potential, can they play closer to their 90th percentile than their 40th percentile? Sure. And that's a process that doesn't really flip the switch overnight. You can't just go into free agency and say, oh, let's get the LeBron James or let's get the, the draft pick. You have to find different methods and philosophies that like you just did, raise up yeah, exactly. the, the level for yeah. for everyone on the roster. We'll see if they can pull that off. Um, we should sign off. We should go get some grub. Sure, you um, know, at the very least, I will tell you, at the very least. I don't know if we can hear you on this anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, if all these things don't pan out, we're always going to have 
Brian Dozier bombs. That is a Brian Dozier bomb. Big cutout. If that looks like what you'd have at the barn for when somebody's shooting free throws. Like a giant, uh, I don't even know. I, I'm not sure how to respond to that. Um, this is it for this uh, video. We'll put this on the Touch Em All podcast feed. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, baseball, it's back. I will give one plug to my uh, free ebook. If you want a twin season preview, if you've maybe checked out and you just kind of like want to catch up to speed, I've got 40 pages and more than 10,000 words of a free ebook for you. You can check that out online. All you have to do is subscribe to my newsletter, and I'll send that out totally free of charge. The newsletter you can find at bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y slash Wetmore Twins. Go to that URL, you'll find it bit.ly slash Wetmore Twins, and if you sign up for the newsletter, I'll give you my ebook totally free of charge, my favor to you. Two last things, Logan chimes in, take your analytics and shove it, you wanna be Billy Beans? Yes, that's a great comment. <laughs> we will shortly shove it. Uh, and secondly, if you're consuming this on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash 1500ESPN, and you haven't subscribed to our Touch Mall podcast feed, yes. where you can also find this audio, we would uh, greatly appreciate it. And check out our weekly content on the Touch Mall podcast feed. That's Derek Wetmore. I'm Phil Mackey. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy opening day. Pabst Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Pabst Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Pabst Blue Ribbon a Twin Cities favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP. Hey guys, before we continue on with the rest of this Touch Mall podcast, it's Phil Mackey here for all of you Twin Cities area listeners to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three plus decades. And there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades, right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. 